You're listening to 30 Below with Allie and Rick. I'm Allie. And I'm Rick. And we are back this week with uh, yet another in our anime. Oh? Is it anime though? No, or, we're, uh, or were we lying? We were lying all along. <laughs> Uh, and we were secretly doing a childhood favorites month. And you all got punked. Yep. And then we took a week so, off for, because we did. And now we're back. I had a headache or I felt sick. I felt sick. I don't know. I think something, both of those things happened. Something happened. It was your show week. Anyway, you all fell for anime and you're all gullible and we are having the last laugh. Ha 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 ha. Ha ha ha. Because we it didn't is, watch an animated movie. We, we watched. Did not. We watched Drop Dead Fred. Yes, Drop Dead Fred. Uh, this was one of Allie's choices of a childhood favorite of hers. Yes. Yes, it was. Which, uh, it's rated PG-13. I'm like, I, I mean... I watched so many PG-13 That's movies. true. That's true. I watched this movie a lot. And I didn't remember a ton of it. I just remembered that, you know, Fred was like a mischief maker and everything. Um, I wrote down some of the quotes that I remember. Like, mm-hmm. oh, what a lovely piece of broccoli. <laughs> um, and... Uh, yeah, but I didn't remember a ton. Um, but I did watch this movie a lot when I was little. I don't know how little I was. I don't know how many times I watched it. I just know that it stuck out in my memory as watching this as a child. Mm-hmm. I saw it once before. Um, I think it would have been... After my freshman year of college. Oh. Because uh, I definitely remember watching it uh, at my parents' place. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was just some movie that was recommended on Netflix. And I was like, okay, I have literally nothing else to do. Yeah. And I did not care for it at the time. <laughs> I wonder why. And so, hearing that it was a childhood favorite of yours, I was like, oh, really? Since I have seen this more recently than you, until now. Uh-huh, yep. Um, so this is from, what does that say, 1991? Correct. 1991. Um, it is an hour and 43 minutes. It is rated PG-13. It has a critics rating of 11% out of 37 critics and an audience rating of 77% out of 100,000 plus audience members. So you're saying that people really like this one. Yeah, apparently. Um, The tagline is dishes, relationships, wind. This guy breaks everything. (laughs) Ha ha, there was a fart joke. There wasn't a fart joke though. Did no, he farted on the mother at one point, didn't he? Not jokes. There's definitely scatological stuff. But yeah, I'm not thinking of any... Sp- I don't think there was a fart joke, which yeah. is interesting that they they mentioned that in the tagline. Like, he talks about her, like, death breath. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah I, don't, I, suppose. I don't think there was a fart joke. At least joke. nothing that I can specifically think of. Yeah. There were a lot of times where I was expecting it because of the tagline, but I was like, oh, okay, we're not doing that. All right. Yes, this movie, uh, 
this movie has a very similar thing with the uh, the people behind the scenes in that most of them do not work much in Hollywood. <laughs> uh, this was directed by, I'm going to butcher this name, uh, but I believe it would be Atta de Jong. Uh, he's Dutch. Oh. He has made only two films in the American system. Mm-hmm. The first one was this. Mm-hmm. And the other was called Highway to Hell, and it released in 1991 as well. So he had done a little bit of TV in America, and they let him do two movies in the same year, basically. Wow. And then he's just been in Europe since then. Gotcha. And this was, uh, has two screenwriters and a story by credit. Mm -hmm. Story by Elizabeth uh, Livingston. Mm Mm-hmm. This is the only film credit she has, is based on an idea by. So I'm wondering if she, like, wrote a short story or something. I couldn't find any specific information as to how she got credit for it. Yeah. Uh, And it was written by the duo of Carlos Davis and Anthony Fingleton, Mm -hmm. who have a total of three movies. Mm -hmm. And the only one of note is The Hurricane Heist, which was a movie from... Uh, Fast and F- the Fast and the Furious 1 director, Rob Marshall, mm. uh, and is about trying to steal money from a, a Federal Reserve during a hurricane. I'm just thinking of Heavy Rain. Yeah, it's basically that. Heavy Rain or Hard Rain? Hard Rain. Hard Rain. Heavy Rain is a video game. Yeah, it's basically the plot to Hard Rain, except instead of a flood, it is a hurricane. And yeah. 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 So, and I checked that is at like 49% or something. So it probably will not be Hurricane appearing. Hurricane Heist? Yeah. Yeah. Even though, again, it is from the director of The Fast and the Furious. Yeah, so. yeah, I'm sure it's really good. And also he directed the fifth Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Oh, great. And, or no, I think he did the fourth one. They all bleed together. And also Chicago, I think. What? Was Rob Marshall? I don't know. Was it? I guess this is something I'm going to have to look up. Chicago. Rob Marshall. Two L's, I believe. Oh, wow. You are correct, my darling dearest. Director Rob Marshall. Yeah. Okay. He has, like, that one shining jewel, and, like, the rest of his filmography is trash. Hmm. Interesting. Future Rick coming in to say that I was thinking of Rob Cohen. Rob Cohen is the director of The Fast and the Furious and Hurricane Heist and Stealth. But Rob Marshall did direct the fourth Pirates of the Caribbean movie, and mostly does musicals such as Into the Woods and Mary Poppins Returns. That is all. Yeah, so, the movie. The movie. We start off with this little girl getting Mm -hmm. a bedtime story read to Mm -hmm. her from a very poorly made prop. And I can say this, because I (laughs) was a prop master, technically, on a movie once. What do you mean, technically? You were a props master. Yeah. in the for sense a while, that I got like the, an entire summer. Yeah, I got credit for it and I was paid to do it, but all I would say 80% of the props were made before I got there. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. My assistant uh helped out with the majority of the actual prop building. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. 
But this fairy tale book, it literally has the same picture on the front and back cover. Mm-hmm. And it just says fairy tales. <laughs> doesn't have any like about the author, doesn't have any uh, back of the dust jacket mm. enticements. Mm-hmm. It's just the same picture, but front and back. Yeah. I'm not going to pick up and read that book. Yeah, no. I am mm-hmm. judging it based off of its cover. Well, I mean, from what we know about her mother, like, she wouldn't put in a lot of effort to find a good fairy tale book I or suppose anything. Not, no. Like, she would just be like, oh, fairy tales, this is fine to read to my daughter who I hate. And, yes, at the end of the fairy tale, the child cusses a swear. Yep. Because and... the mom says if she were not well-behaved... The prince would have run away, mm-hmm. and they would not have lived happily ever after. And the daughter goes, "What a pile of blah!" And but she actually swears, but we don't swear on this podcast. Mm-mm. No cuss and a swear. No cuss and a swear. And yeah, that's hits us with the hard cut to the animated credits. Yeah, and I feel like that sets the tone for what the movie is going to be pretty decently i honestly feel like the animated sequence like the animated credits are more unpleasant than the rest of the movie yeah like i feel like it sets us up for just what is going to be an unbearable amount of like gross out humor and just annoying i don't know antics and just yeah i was like did i why did i like this movie was this was it this bad like (laughs) watching the animated credits um so yeah i was like "Ooh, did i make a did i make a poor decision in selecting (laughs) this movie so yeah animated credits are really unpleasant to watch uh but in general, I love animated credits, and we should bring that back as a trend. Yeah, but these these particular, particular ones, ones, yes, were very of the time. Like, yeah, like this is peak Nicktoons, Ren and Stimpy right. humor era. Yeah, yeah. So, and it's definitely going for that vibe. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, so. Yeah, then uh, we get Lizzie, who is in her car, and she's, like, gearing up to tell her husband, Mm -hmm. who they're, like, working through a divorce, it seems, because he cheated on her with Annabella, who is just a random lady, apparently. We don't really know how they yeah, it, know each other. Yeah, she might work at his... I don't know. ...car dealership or something? I don't know. Yeah. Um, but Lizzie is, like, trying to, like, win him back for whatever reason. I feel like if you're dating that guy, you should, like, already be on high alert because... Yeah, I, he's got he's really... sleazy! He's got big resting sleaze face. God, what is his... What is that actor? Tim Matheson. Yeah. If you are in a movie and you are dating Tim Matheson, 
you should break up with him immediately because he is going to do something real sleazy. Yep, he is going to try to claim that you are being hysterical about something. Yep, he's going to gaslight you about his bad behavior and be like, no, this was your idea that I should run off with this other lady and that it's better for us. And this was all you, like... It was, oh no, she tempted me. She is a siren. I am just weak to her charms. She, she brought the love hammer down on me or whatever he (laughs) says. He says so many ridiculous things and Lizzie is just like very confused, not angry, not upset, just like really confused. And she doesn't seem to like him for any particular reason. No. Outside of the fact that he knows wines. Yeah. Like, that's he like the only f- compliment he gives her. Or and she he, gives him. He bought her flowers. Or he used to bring her flowers. And he bought her wine. Um, and yeah, I think she just liked him because he like showered her with gifts. In which case, like then you're materialistic, you know? Like, yeah. You, well, I mean, like, there, there's love languages, mm-hmm. I understand. And some love languages are receiving gifts. But it's not like, oh, I'm showering this person with gifts. It's like every now and then. It's like, oh, I was thinking of you, so I brought you, I saw this thing, and I brought you this. Yeah, it's less that she wants to be with him and more that... She doesn't want to be alone. Yeah, and she can't believe that anyone else would want to be with her. Yeah. And he only seems to want to be with her because she feels like no one else will be with her. Yeah, he likes feeling needed. And Um, being in control. Yeah, and being in control. Mm Mm-hmm. And, like... I don't know, not to be, like, too judgy or anything. You know what? I'm going to be judgy. Her (laughs) outfits in this are terrible. Her hair is terrible. Like, her outfits are terrible. And I don't think it's, like, a being brought up that way kind of thing. It's a 1991 thing. Yeah. She she wears exact same outfits as Elaine Bennis. Mmm, I don't know about that. Elaine Bennis wore, like, shorter, like, shorter skirts sometimes. Once they get to, like, season seven, and it's 1995. I suppose, it's just, it's just She so has, like, the long shapeless. denim skirts she, that are, have no shape. She, she has, has, like, long denim overall skirts. Wears the shoes that look like tuxedo shoes with spats with the socks rolled down bulky white socks oh gosh it's it's really bad and like puffy blouses underneath these long denim overall pinafores yeah just bad it's really bad yeah it's very unflattering which they do at the end when she meets the other woman annabelle does say i thought you said she was mousy so she's supposed to be yeah unattractively dressed to a point right she's raw mousy Mm -hmm. um to the point where i was like i feel like if you just like asked someone who has any sort of fashion sense like that you know to take you out and like 
do your hair or have them like give you opinions and then like you see what ideas you like because it doesn't feel like she really likes like who she is as a per like how she's putting herself out to the world she just seems very like small and like okay this is how I am and not like you know really confident in so I don't know just go to any fashionable person or like you know just I don't know she needs help is, yep. She needs stylistic <laughs> help. She needs a haircut. And I. this is very judgmental, and I hear myself. But I just... It's, it's very frustrating to see this person be like, Oh no, I'm losing my douchey husband to this hot lady. And... I don't know. Now I feel like I'm supporting, like, Sandy in Greece, like, at the end when she's like, tell me about it, stud, and she, like, changes for him. But then again, like, when Sandy was in Greece, like, she was still dressing, like, pretty flattering. She, like, knew how to dress herself. It wasn't like she was, like, super mousy or anything. She was just more conservative, which is fine. But just, like, ah, Phoebe Cates, she... She deserved better than, like, a very long smock that did nothing for her. So you've got opinions on the outfits. I have opinions on the outfits. (laughs) I have feelings. And she chases after her now ex, soon-to-be ex-husband. we're not even into this movie. And pulls up alongside him at a stoplight. And this is when I pointed out to Allie, the true main character of this movie. Minneapolis. Yes, this movie was filmed on location in the Twin Cities area. Neither one of us had any idea. Yeah, again, I saw this a decade ago and was unfamiliar with Minneapolis, like, iconography. Yeah, and And, I was tiny and I didn't know what Minneapolis looked like. But yeah, you can see the Hennepin Bridge, they Mm, go on... Rainbow. The... They have specific intersections that I recognize. Yep. They go to the actual, like, courthouse. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, uh, it's really fun to watch as a Minneapolitan. Yes. To be like, oh, I know that. It's how people in big cities feel all the time. Yeah. Though I should note that according to the IMDb trivia, uh, they chose Minneapolis because the director wanted it to be a... Uh, nondescript city and he felt that New York and Los Angeles were too iconic. (laughs) (laughs) But you can't have a houseboat in Los Angeles so unless you're on the ocean. Can you have a houseboat in Minneapolis? Do people have houseboats in Minneapolis? So apparently that houseboat is an actual houseboat. I don't know if it's from the area. It must be, because I don't know where they would get it from. Where would you live on a houseboat in Minneapolis? Uh, you wouldn't in Minneapolis. I think that it was in St. Paul, actually, was where the houseboat was docked. Like, I was trying to judge based off of what I could see on the riverbanks and everything, and I think it was near downtown St. Paul. Okay. 
I guess if you want to live on a houseboat because, in St. Paul. Well, Minneapolis would be a terrible place to live on a houseboat because there's a dam with a waterfall. I mean, yeah. Like on the Mississippi. I just don't think the Twin Cities is a good place to live on a houseboat in general. I mean, nowhere's a good place to live in a houseboat. No. Like houseboats are notoriously, they have all the problems of boats. Except adding Every, home. Everything you own is on a boat. Yeah. As we will see later. Um, and in this, uh, after her husband drives away, she calls her friend, Carrie Fisher, who we don't meet yet. Yep. But we hear her on the phone. Mm-hmm. And she's explaining how her day's terrible. And in the background, someone smashes into her car and steals her purse. In the broad daylight, he's like carrying a hammer, smashes the window, on the corner of Twelfth Street and Third Avenue, in South in downtown Minneapolis. Yep. Mm -hmm. And then another person walks up and sees the smashed window and is decides to steal the car. Yeah, which like did she leave her keys in her car or did they like hotwire it? They like, must have that hotwired quickly? it. Like it's nineteen ninety one. It was it's not the best security. Yeah, it was really quick though. It's the car from the eighties. It doesn't have any. I guess I don't know how to hotwire a car. Do you Redding? know how to hotwire a car? Yeah, you open you up the panel, just... you cut the red wire and the oh, green wire, and you touch to them our together. I was... Red and green starts <laughs> the machine. I was talking to our listeners. I was going to be like, hey, if you have an opinion on whether or not you could hotwire this car in like two minutes or whatever on a phone call while the (laughs) other person is on a phone call email us and be like yeah it's totally doable or no that is not doable no totally doable because the only security you don't know how to hotwire a car yeah you connect the red and the green wires and you tap them together to get a spark and then you have to twist them to keep the connection going is that really how you hotwire a car i don't know Oh, see, he doesn't know <laughs> if you actually know. The only technology they had to prevent theft was to use a red wire and a green wire and hope that colorblind people would be the one trying to steal your car. We will try to remember to protect your anonymity if you call in and are, or call in. <laughs> if you email in and be like, I know how to hotwire a car and that is not how you do it, Rick. Anyway. Um, so yeah, she, yeah, so Smash and Grab, and, uh, Lizzie is a court reporter. We mm-hmm. find out she is late for lunch. Um, she came back from lunch late because her car was stolen. Well, and she actually, like, went to, uh, Charles' work, right? Yeah, but, I mean, they had, like, an hour-long break, so she could go to Oh, yeah, room. that was before she, she got her car and like yeah, I think having your car stolen is a reason enough to be like, Apparently that's why not, I'm late. This judge like called her up and she was like, and he was like, you, you're fired. And also they were waiting on the court reporter yes. before this trial right. commences yes. or resumes. Yes. Uh, the defendant, as she's walking by, whispers, plead insanity worked for me. Mm-hmm. And... The judge then, like, leans over to Phoebe Cates and is like, hey, by the way, you're fired. So, so like, they waited. Leave? They waited for her to get there. Yeah. Because they couldn't do it without her. Right. And then she showed up, and then he fires her. So, like, does everyone just go home then? Right, Do they yeah. not continue the trial? Yeah, because you can't expect her to, like, 
day after she's been fired. Do you declare a mistrial because... Do you have a backup court reporter just, like, ready to go? Is the sketch it guy in the back, like, is this his time to shine? <laughs> is he is he sketching out the judge telling the court reporter that she's fired? I mean, I would definitely do that. That's an important <laughs> part of the sequence of events. Oh, um, so... Uh, Phoebe Cates, a.k.a. Lizzie, literally runs into Nikki, who <laughs> looks like Lance Bass in the 90s. Yep, except um, if Lance Bass had a single earring. Yes. Um, and Mickey has a daughter. Mm -hmm. um, she and Mickey... Uh, Lizzie and Mickey were, like, best friends, apparently, when they were little. When they were five. When they were five. And because Mickey he moved, moved away, away when, when he, was he was six. six. Yes. Mickey now has daughter. They have this, like, oh, we ran into each other kind of conversation. And explains that he's at the courthouse, not because he works there or anything, but because he just finalized his divorce. Uh-huh. Yep. Which means he just did that that day. Like, he's just yes. walking out of family court right now. And then hitting on his childhood best friend. Um, and so we kind of get some flashbacks into Drop Dead Fred. Um, and we, all I wrote down was poor Cato because they shave a cat. And I'm like, that cat is not happy with being mm -hmm. shaved. And you hear a cat meow, mm. as you do, because that's comedy. comedy. If um, you heard a cat, it's funny. And if you heard a dog, you're evil. Right, yeah. Um, and they throw paint on an old lady gardening. Uh, like, there's paint thrown on her. Like, mm -hmm. we never see Drop Dead Fred, but we see his, like, green sleeve. Mm -hmm. Um. And so it's like this flashback into Lizzie's history with her imaginary friend, Drop Dead Fred. The old lady was the director's mother. I, I did not know that. <laughs> when, so if you look at the credits, you see all these fairly like standard American names. And then one that you're like, that name seems European. <laughs> it's, it's different. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, uh, then she's talking to Mickey. Mickey is very supportive of Lizzie having an imaginary friend, completely buys into the fact that she has an imaginary friend. Um, and, yeah, he... I've got some opinions on Mickey, which I'll get to in their dinner date. Mickey, Mickey has some, there's some issues with him. Um, but yeah, he's like, oh, remember you and Drop Dead Fred? And he, he's kind of, in that way, the, like... Catalyst? Catalyst, yes. Because she hasn't thought of Drop Dead Fred at all until she talks to Mickey, and... He's been repressed for, like, 20 years. Yep. Um, and so... Then, uh... She's meeting up with her best friend... Mm -hmm. and slash mother figure uh carrie mm -hmm. fisher yep apparently Janie. yep apparently carrie fisher wrote most of her own lines because she was a script doctor and okay. she's actually supposedly one of the uh best script doctors in hollywood for like 20 years how did they get carrie fisher because she this was like probably the 
slumpiest that her career was okay. at this point, like acting wise. It was early 90s. Because the only other thing from the 90s I've ever seen her in is Austin Powers, and that's not until 97. Mm, okay, gotcha. Um, yeah, so uh, she talks to Carrie Fisher, um, and I don't remember what she says to Carrie Fisher. And they but... go to their apartment, and she's like, oh, Charles is going to come back, and I'm going to tell him off. That's right, yep. And... Then, uh... Lizzie's mom shows up, and she's like, You're coming with me! And Lizzie's like, No, I'm gonna stay here. And Janie's like, Yeah, tell her you're gonna stay here. And she's like, I'm gonna stay here. And her mom is like, No, you're coming with me! And so we... The next scene is we are at her mom's place, because apparently she didn't stick up for herself. And I brought this up in the past. She calls her mom mother, and I find that weird. It it, is, oh, it is weird. It's it totally weird. It makes sense for this particular relationship yeah. because she would never feel a closeness to call her mom. Right. Mom. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's weird when you call your mom mother. The only time I ever call my mom mother is when I can't find her and I'm saying it like Bambi where I go, mother, mother. <laughs> and I think that's very funny. You told that exact same anecdote the exact last time I mentioned this particular hang-up I have. Stop it. Did I really? <laughs> I, I just, I get a kick out of it. I get a kick out of calling my mom mother, like, the way that Bambi does. Um, anyway. And the mom has had the carpet cleaned and... Can't like, walk on the carpet. Can't go into can't. this nope. immaculate cream room where literally everything... Is like it's white a, fabric. A bad idea, especially when like you know what the past is with this person, with Lizzie. Like you, she. I imagine that she got it cleaned before this divorce situation happened. Probably. She didn't know that her daughter was going to be coming home that night. Yeah, I guess. I just. But I, yeah. Yeah, I. I just, I feel like she should have learned by now that things get dirty. Mm-hmm. And um, also she should have a room that is not so boring. Yeah, it, I agree. Like, a little color's not going to kill you. Well, she does have a pink door. Oh. She has a pink door and she made Lizzie's room completely pink. Because she's a girl. Right, because she's a girl. Um, and also her mom seems to really like pink. Like, she, she wears a lot of pink in this. Um, and yeah. Also, Lizzie's bedroom is apparently the same as when she was a child, because her mom is like, oh, I've had your, I've made up your bedroom for you. And the bed fits her both as a child, as an adult. Yeah, so, like, I can see giving a five-year-old a twin so that they can grow into it for a while right, but but she's an adult it's and, more and that apparently like she never had a teenage phase where she was into boy bands or something yeah that's like true. or whatever she would have been into in 1978 yeah and her like well, room it's... is made up as if she was five still not yeah. as if she had turned 10 and gotten really into you know my little pony or something right yeah yeah, I mean, we know she had dolls. 
And we know yep. she had a monkey stuffed animal, but like those are mm-hmm. still things that you play with when you're five. And a jack-in-the-box, which nobody plays with because nope. they are creepy. They they are very, very creepy. <laughs> Can I say AF? Can uh, I say creepy AF? I'll allow it and definitely won't be bleeping it every time you say that. Uh, you will. You'll be like, this is futuric being like, bleep. <laughs> <laughs> and she goes to bed and wakes up in the middle of the night and is staring at her lamp, and she happens to find this, uh, she, like, gets up and walks around and finds this old jack-in-the-box, and she's like, oh, I haven't thought about this in ages. Because it's creepy! And as she's turning it, it, she sets it down, and then it starts winding itself, mm-hmm. and... She is not really surprised by that, either. She's nope. just, like, sort of intrigued, like, oh, what's happening? And it spins, like, the, the, the turny thing the handle. The, the handle spins a lot and it goes very very fast and she's still watching it like what's going to happen with this and not like what is happening and then she cuts off the tape and opens the box and out comes a hairball in a green suit yep and it bounces around the room and goes under the bed and she looks under the bed and out pops the titular drop dead fred drop dead fred and he immediately starts destroying toys he bites off the head of one of the dolls Mm -hmm. and rips open the sock monkey rips open the sock monkey there's feathers everywhere um and then sees that she has grown up and he's like oh you've gotten bigger and uglier um, and he seems really unfazed by his 20 years of isolation inside of a music box. Yeah. Yep. Because I, we know he is a real being. Yes. Like, he's not actually an imaginary friend. There's no ambiguity to that. Right. And as such, he has been trapped inside this box for 20 years. Yes. Yes, he has. And... He is, uh, Lizzie is surprisingly calm about this whole situation, too. very calm. She doesn't freak out about this crazy man or think she's going crazy at all, which is what this movie is missing, is more scenes of her wondering if she is crazy. Yep. Or if this is actually happening. Yep. But instead, she just is like constantly trying to stop fred from doing things despite the fact that she knows no one else can see him Mm -hmm. and thus getting herself in awkward situations yep Mm -hmm. um fred goes outside and gets dog poop all over the carpet and again lizzie is very calm about it she's just like oh he's doing that again and then he like takes out this ink and he's gonna write like mom's uh b mom's b on it um and she's like no no let's let's play a game let's play hide and seek um because she's more afraid of like ink on the carpet than she is about dog poop on the carpet and on the chairs and, and on everything the chairs. it's already everywhere everywhere 
And she is very, she's not even very concerned. She's just like, okay, give me the ink. Yeah, she doesn't try to stop him, No, it seems. She's just watching him do this stuff. Yeah. Um, and so he's like all about this game and he throws the ink. She catches it. Um, there's a lot of continuity errors in this. And mm-hmm. one is that when she catches it, there is no dog poop on the carpet. There is none on her. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that's a, the actor didn't want to. Right. Yeah, absolutely. The... Um, but she catches the ink. Um, and she decides to play hide and seek to get him away. Yep. Uh, so she can fix things. Apparently, like I assumed that's what she meant. Then we had our first commercial break. Yes. Uh, and it's at this point that I was upset with Lay's stacks. They come in a Pringles can <laughs> style container, but they do not have the right texture. Uh, they're a little thicker and crunchier than Pringles, which the mouthfeel is wrong for what you're expecting. I was hungry and they were just fine to me. And they, how are they so crumbly? They're in the protective tube. They, they were crumblier than if we had a bag of you them. You use a liquid U for tube now? You've never done that before. I have always done you that. This is certainly not a thing I'm a doing liquid U for comedic tube. effect at this exact moment. Oh my gosh. I mean, I'm pretty sure that whenever I talk about my adventures in London, I mention how I know the tube now. No, no. Uh-uh. You have never done that. I have referred to donuts as squashed tubes. <laughs> this is a lie. He is lying <laughs> to you and to me, his wife. Um, so, yes. I've talked Lays, about TV as the bube tube. You have not that's not even remotely (laughs) correct um somebody failed ipa failed you or you failed ipa either way that's not how that goes and also in Um, this chevy commercial there's a person (laughs) eating a bag of cheetos and no that was silverado yeah chevy silverado oh yeah chevy silverado yep and why are they using a brand inside of a brand brand? did they have to pay did did frito-lays pay to be in it or did they have to pay frito-lays because cheeto is shown as a delicious snack but but it's messy yeah so like messy you don't it's his control like you don't want to touch and also control control panel panel Control panel. Yeah. Why are you eating Cheetos while you're driving a truck around in the California desert? Well, he's not California driving the desert. truck. He's, his passenger is driving the truck, and the passenger is like, I'm just going to change the... And then the guy, the driver, is like, it's my control panel, because he was, like, freaking out about, like, the orange Cheeto dust. This um, is the important stuff that we need to discuss. very important. Also, I don't believe that any driver of any Chevy Silverado, top trim, whatever has ever gone off-roading in, like, the desert. Yeah, in the commercials, they always show the highest trim levels and all the bonus features, whereas most people who drive them, if they do drive them uh, for rough reasons, it's going to be just gravel roads or dirt. It's not going to be desert. Right. And most people are just going to drive them to the grocery store because they don't want to admit that they should have a minivan. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it's a status symbol, even though it just makes you look like 
a person that I don't want to talk to. Um, anyway. So Elizabeth wakes up <laughs> and she heads downstairs to see her mother mm-hmm. on her hands and knees scrubbing the carpet. Who, she, even she's calm about it. Like, she is She's not... upset with, like, her daughter for doing this, yeah. but she doesn't seem like, she's what not... did you do? This is a psychotic thing to do. Right. Yeah. And also, apparently, Phoebe Cates, after sending uh, Drop Dead Fred to the Play Hide and Seek, then just went to bed. She didn't yeah. clean up the mess. Right, yeah. She didn't frantically try to avoid it. Right. Whereas if I had written it, I maybe would have had her trying to clean it up, and then the mother come down and see her, like, on her hands and knees mm-hmm. with the poop in front of her, and yeah. then it's like, oh, you have done this. Right. But, yeah, it's... It's poorly laid out. It is. Yes. Uh, so, yeah. We're in the kitchen and... Or, no. We uh, go get breakfast, we, yep. Well, yeah, we go get breakfast and everybody's, like, pretty calm. Like, the mom is just like, what's wrong with you? And, and oh, is this coffee for me? Thanks. Yep. Um, yes, and, I was cleaning dog poop off of my freshly clean carpets for the last two hours. Yeah. Thank you for the coffee. Yep. And the white chairs. There are, there's yep. no dog poop on the chairs, so she must have really scrubbed those chairs. She reupholstered in the morning. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. And then Dro- Drop Dead Fred shows up and, and... He is so British. If you were to ask someone British. to cast a British comedian... It would be this guy. Yeah. Uh, he yes, looks British. He does. He does look British. Um, he gets his face flattened in a fridge, like, while his mom is like, or while her mom He's is, like peeking his head in the fridge and yeah. the mom closes the door because mm-hmm. she grabbed her creamer or whatever. And then he pulls it out and then his face is like a garbage pail kid or a Dick Tracy villain. And I gotta admit, the Face flattening effect, pretty good. Yeah, the special effects on this particular scene, yeah, very good. I think they were good. Um, then we do an upskirt thing. Because mm-hmm, Fred's a pervert. Fred, it's, his sexuality is confusing. He's both a pervert he's, and he's... He's like repulsed by sex. Yeah. And romance. Because mm-hmm. he thinks love is for girls. Yes. So he's like a five-year-old in that respect. Right. Um, and yeah, any mention of sex or romance, he is repulsed by. But also, he will look up women's skirts. Um, he does it three times in this movie. Does he do it three times? Well, he does it twice and makes comments about it. And then once he likes is under the nurse's skirt, and he doesn't make any comment. Oh, right. So it's more he's under the bed while she is above him. Okay. But still. Gotcha, yeah. Um, so the first time, he is looking under her mom's skirt, and he says, cobwebs. Which, is, so now he's, like, being, insulting her for not having sex. Yeah. While being a pervert. Right. Or, and- or like, being older yeah. I, I don't know and then later on he looks up a attractive young woman's skirt and his steam eyes, com- his eyes bulge out, out and skull. steam comes out of his ears because yeah. she's not wearing panties right uh-huh so yeah, I, 
they didn't figure out that aspect of Fred. They well. did they not. Just, yeah. Whatever they thought was the better joke at the yeah. moment, as opposed to what made the most sense. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, then we see a flashback to when Lizzie was little. Her wig is terrible. Yeah. You can see the clear divide of where the wig is and where, like, the actual hair is. Like... If you're just have two different wigs, I don't know why that was an issue. It it can't. It's a very poofy wig. Either way, like either way, like it was a bad hair wig, like hair wig. That's a thing <laughs> that I just said. I don't know why you would have a wig, like a long wig, and then be able to see the short hair. It wasn't like she had hair extensions. Like, I, I don't know. I don't get it, and it was annoying to me. Um, so the kid's wig is terrible. Um, Lizzie, as a child, is, like, going on this adventure with Drop Dead Fred. They're, he's like, oh, we're going to be burglars. And they draw he draws stripes on their sweaters and they go down to the kitchen they empty out trash can and they stomp around in flour that they poured all over the place because they're leaving clues or they're looking for clues they're looking for clues he's conflating the cops and the robbers parts yeah it doesn't whatever five-year-old logic right yeah um and then he's saying that they could use the bag to stash all the jewels and gems and gold and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we see Lizzie pick up an expensive pot and she says, this is expensive. And Drop Dead Fred is like, oh, we better be really careful. And Lizzie just smashes it. Yep. She cannot claim any innocence in the smashing of that pot. Nope. Like, we are led to believe up until this point that all of the mischief and all of the mayhem and all of the destruction is due to Fred, but we just saw her smash this pot, which she said was very expensive. And at this, the parents wake up, uh, the mom first, and is like, honey, there's something happening. There's someone in the house. And so the dad calls 911. Mm-hmm. And they get the cops out there. Uh, well, they call for the cops to come out. But then Lizzie it, like looks at this phone and she's or and uh, Fred she's like, this is, is like is there should there's probably diamonds inside of it and he rips it out of the wall. And then Nigel, her dad. Is like, oh, the phone's dead. That's not how a landline works. Nope, that's not how a phone line works. You unplug one phone, it's not like you unplug the other phones. And while he's on the phone, the mother is backseat driving on his phone call with the police. Yeah. Which, like, you can, you could have called yourself. Yeah. Like, yeah. She doesn't trust her husband to call the cops, I guess. Nope. So the cops do show up, though. And they think that there's been a burglar. And... They They knock on the door. Nobody answers, so they kick in the door. Well, first they kick through the door. Yeah, they kick through the door. And then they kick the door open. And one cop goes upstairs, and the dad's like, oh, I hear someone inside. And apparently doesn't see the flashing lights outside. I guess the cops didn't have any sirens. Mm -mm. They didn't announce themselves as police either. They didn't. 
and he attacks this person in his home, and he somehow attacks a Minneapolis police officer and does not get shot. A gun fires, but he's not hit. I mean, he's a rich white man. It's true. So. And it's at this point that I had to ask myself, have either of you checked on Lizzie? Yeah. You think that there is a burglar in your home. Mm-hmm. And you call the cops. Uh-huh. And both of you wait in your room to call the cops rather than check on your daughter. Mm-hmm. The phone line goes out, so you think you're on your own. Yep. Neither of you goes to check on your daughter. Yeah. You attack a man in your hallway and a gun fires. No one checks on the daughter. Mm-hmm. And then your husband is arrested and you're following him outside with the cops Never once asking, I don't, thinking, I don't want my daughter to see this happen. Yeah. Where's my daughter? Mm-hmm. Which kind of makes sense for the mom, since she's supposed to be a bad mom. Right. But he's supposed to be a good he, dad. He is supposed to be a good dad, yeah. But, I mean, things happen in the future where it's like, I don't think, I think he, he has the makings of a good dad, but doesn't necessarily make the... The right choices. He looks like he's supposed to be a good dad for 1969. Yeah. And is undone by the fact that there is a bad mom and... Right. A bad mom even by 1969 standards. Right. Yeah. And... Yeah. No one seems to actually care about Elizabeth. Nope. Um, so then we go back to the present day. Um... Lizzie's mom is determined to get her back with Charles. Yep. Oh, and I just want to mention that in the breakfast scene, Fred, like, mentions that he's only there because she's unhappy. So I guess there are rules now for when an invisible friend shows up. Yep. And it's very poorly described, Mm -hmm. and they change constantly throughout this movie. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. But yes, they're trying to win back Charles, and the mother's plan is to turn her daughter into into her. her. Yep. Like, uh, literally gets the same haircut, gets mm-hmm. the same makeup, mm-hmm. even says, do it like this so she looks more like me. Mm-hmm. And then when they get home, they're literally wearing the same outfit. Exact same outfit. Yep. Though, honestly, it does look better than her other outfits. It looks so much better. And but... it's not even a flattering outfit. It's, it's like not... a purple uh, dress suit. But it, it's blue with a pink, like, satiny blouse underneath. Like, it's a blue yeah. skirt suit with a pastel pink blouse. But it is more flattering than anything else she would have chosen to wear. Drop Dead Fred uh, mocks Elizabeth by constantly taunting her with, Haven't got a husband. Well, that was after, uh, so Lizzie sees a letter, supposedly from Charles, uh, yeah. saying, like, I miss, like, everything about you, I, I love the, I love your gentle touch, and your spontaneity, and everything like that. And we see and- the montage of all these times they've had together, and it's mostly her just waiting on him hand and foot. Yeah. Like, literally shaving him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, like, like I, basically begging him not to go to work. I don't think I would trust you to shave me. I would not want to shave you. Like, I've done it plenty of times. Yep. And... I, I feel like you know 
better than I do how to shave yourself. And, like, I have uh, shaved my uncle, Dan, in the past because he needs help with that. Mm Mm-hmm. And you know what? It's weird doing it on another person's face. So I would not want you to do it to me. Yes. Especially since, again, I've got the experience. Right. Yeah. I'm good. Yep. I I can shave myself. <laughs> I can shave my legs. I do not want to... I imagine shaving your face is different than shaving my legs. Yep, and if I ever need to shave my legs, I will probably ask you for tips, but would not necessarily I will not have you shave do it. your legs. Well, then how am I going to swim through the water? I will teach you how to shave your legs. <laughs> you cannot swim though, so it doesn't matter. Um oh, and we get a super timely reference from Carrie Fisher. Let's see, who is Marilyn Quayle? I'm guessing Dan Quayle's Yeah, Dan Quayle's wife, wife, I would guess. She's like, you look like Marilyn Quayle. Yep, former second lady of the United States. So she would have been Dan Quayle's wife. Yes. In uh, the... He was Carter's vice president? So, yes, very, very timely reference uh saying that lizzie looks like marilyn quail which frankly lizzie is better dressed than marilyn quail yep her blazer is more like nipped in than than marilyn so like sorry marilyn you i guess this dress is fine anyway (laughs) um Email if you want to hear more of Ali reacting to <laughs> second ladies' dresses. Uh, okay. Um, so then we get Lizzie out on the water because she is, like, talking to Janie on her houseboat in St. Paul, apparently. Um, and Janie is stooping Murray from mm-hmm. work. Um, and And it's the one night a month that she can because his wife's out of town. So Janie sucks because she's a homewrecker. Um, and Janie and Marie go to work the next day after saying that Lizzie can stay over. Um, and then Lizzie sees, she sees Charles on a boat. Well, she thinks she sees Charles on a boat. And then she's like, that's our boat. Um, and she goes up to the area where you steer the boat, and she's like, Charles! And she looks through the binoculars, and she confirms that it's Charles, and then she just tries to chase him. Yep. Uh, she She tries to steer this houseboat, chasing after him, who, he's driving a small motorboat. And she's in a paddle boat, like, not a, like, pedaling or anything, but... As the giant paddles like Tom Sawyer yeah. would have ridden on this boat. Yes. And apparently wasn't tied up into dock at all, despite it being a houseboat. Nope. Uh, and Fred, meanwhile, is wearing a pirate's outfit. Yep. And is going around shouting piratey things. Mm-hmm. And also causing havoc. 
Yeah, he just goes to where the engine is, I guess, or something, and just starts smashing things. And the things he's smashing are just the dials that, like, read out what the temperature or pressure or whatever is. Right. Which, that's not going to cause it to sink. Especially when there's literally a lever that says bilge water uh, pump, do not turn on unless dry docked. I assumed he was going to pull that and that was going to be what, like, forced water in or something? Right, yeah. But no, he just hits it with a wrench. Yeah, he's just, like, smashing things and then all of a sudden, like, the boat starts spouting water and she's like, where is that water coming from? And he's like, I don't know. Um, And the boat sinks. Yep. And then she's walking through the halls of a business building, uh... And she has wet shoes, and it looks like the hem of her skirt is, like, wet. So but, she must have gotten out. But it doesn't look like her entire body is wet, as like if she, she had just swimming. swum to shore. Yeah. And so, yes, I did just say swum. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's better than tube. Um, yeah, and she pulls Janie out of her work meeting... Her important um, lawyering. Her important lawyering? Is that what she does? It seems to be, because Murray's talking about, like, the, the parties involved and everything. Okay, yeah. So I assume they're lawyers. Um, And so uh, Lizzie is like, your house sunk. Mm-hmm. And Janie is very calm about this. She's upset, yeah. but she is calm. And then Lizzie mentions that she sees Fred in the in the chair that Janie was previously sitting in. Mm-hmm. And it, Fred is disturbing this meeting now. Yep. Or is about to. Yep. And again, Janie is fairly calm about this. She buys into Fred existing. And proceeds to wheel the chair out. Yep. And then attempts to attack Fred... For sinking her houseboat. Who is not in the chair anymore. And she's just pounding at air. Mm -hmm. So now, a day after losing her own job and having a psychotic break, seemingly. Yes. uh, She seems to have gotten her best friend, made her best friend lose her home. Uh Uh-huh. And her job. Uh Uh-huh. And her romantic partner, since she... Uh, she also says, like, and that's on the for... one night that I am able to stop Murray while his wife is gone. In front of all her co-workers and I all mean, of Murray's co-workers. Frankly, that's her fault. Yeah. She didn't have to say that while she was... Attacking air. Yeah. And also, she didn't have to go so full throttle with yeah. attacking Fred. Yeah, yep. But what's she gonna do? Yeah. Uh, so... And also, meanwhile, Lizzie just watches as her friend has this self-destruction happen and just yep. doesn't, like, try to stop her or pull her away or say he's not there. Mm-hmm. She just stands there watching it happen. She's very passive. Yeah. Um, at this point, I wrote down, I'm surprised Fred never killed anyone or got anyone killed. hmm Because it seems like he has a lot of power. Yep. And he could have easily gotten someone killed, mm-hmm. and he did not. That we know of. That we know of. 
And we know that Lizzie wanted uh, his, her dad to throw her mom out the window. Mm-hmm. Um, but never happened. Never happened. But it could have. Lizzie uh, goes dress shopping and buys a purple dress to go to a wine tasting that mm-hmm. Charles will be at later this week. Mm-hmm. And she wants to impress him. Oh, and when she wakes up, uh, Fred has cut off half of her newly cut hair. Yes. Yep. And so she also has to get her hair fixed so she doesn't have an asymmetrical bob. Uh-huh. Yeah. That was when she woke up on the houseboat, right? Yeah, when she wakes up on the houseboat. Mm-hmm. She has... Yeah, she woke up on the houseboat with hair all around her. Mm-hmm. And again, Jamie's like, what, are you shedding? And is not concerned for her friend... Right. ...who either has been assaulted in the night or has done this to herself, which either of those... Strong reason for concern. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And, but she can't, doesn't have time to be concerned because she's got a date with her childhood friend. Yes. And they're at a restaurant run by an authentic Italian man in Minneapolis, who is also apparently his own waiter or something. Yeah. Um, oh, so they, uh... She's having lunch with Mickey. Um, he is super forward. Yeah. He is so forward all the time. And he's like, I love this about you. And I love this. And I love this. And I just thought he was just about to say, and I love you. And I always have. Um, he's, he at one point is mentioning that, well, yeah, like, see that girl over there? I went on a few dates with her and it was so awkward. Meanwhile... Lizzie is, like, shaking a glass of water because mm-hmm. Fred is forcing her mm-hmm. to do it and then pours the water onto, onto her. the table. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, you're so weird. Yeah. You're so free. I yep. wish I could be like you. Mickey is... He is... He's very forgiving of anything that Lizzie does and is so unconcerned and just like in love with Lizzie that it just feels like a red flag. He's treating Lizzie like she's this weird combination of a manic pixie dream girl and the born sexy yesterday trope. Yeah. Where he seems to be attracted to her because of her childishness. Yeah. And the fact that she seems to be like, doing these completely socially unacceptable things. Right, yeah. Such as pouring water on her lap, then throwing a glass on the ground, and then throwing a plate at strangers and Uh starting a food fight, almost. Yep, And he, like, jumps on... No, I suppose Fred is the one that's on the table, but he... Mickey Mickey throws throws food as well. Food as well, yeah. And then the Italian... He's like, I wish I could be as free as you. I'm gonna try it. And then he, like, throws an olive, and then... He um, starts throwing spaghetti or putinesca. Yeah, he starts throwing stuff. And then he also, like, flips the plate that the waiter is carrying. And then, of course, the waiter is like, No, you get out of my restaurant! (laughs) God... That's exactly what he said. Yeah. Which, again, he says, my restaurant. So I'm led to believe that he is the owner and or chef. Yeah, that's true. Who is also serving the lunch rush. Yeah. I will say there is good physicality whenever Phoebe Cates is controlled by Fred. Like, you do get the idea that she is not doing this of her own volition. Yeah. But she keeps her face, like, stoic as if she doesn't notice what's happening, Mm -hmm. which is... 
and Mickey is like not worried about that at all. So it's just a woman calmly right. shaking a glass and then pouring it while unbreaking eye contact happens. I think she's trying to like save face and yeah. like she doesn't know like what to say, but like also Mickey knows about Drop Dead Fred and he believes in Drop Dead Fred. So like why wouldn't she just say Drop Dead Fred is here? Mm-hmm. He's the reason I just spilled my stuff, my my water on my lap, and he's the reason I just threw things is because he is here next to me. He's trying to ruin things. I'm not sure if he believes in Drop Dead Fred or if he just like, yeah, you used to have that friend, Drop Dead Fred, and you always blamed him for everything. I suppose, yeah. And he gets kicked out, but she forgot her dress inside, so he volunteers to go and get it. And so while she's waiting for him to go into this restaurant that he has to fight his way back into Mm -hmm. because he was rightfully kicked out, Mm -hmm. uh, she goes to a a quartet that's playing at this mall because it's, I guess they're in a diner or something if they're at a mall this fancy. Though it did look kind of look like Southdale. I mean, like, when you think of Mall of America, they have, like... You know, yeah, they, concerts and stuff. I guess, yeah, they can do those at the Mall of America. Yeah, that's kind of the idea that I got from it. And this is a scene where, again, if they were playing it that she was unsure, she was convinced that she was seeing things mm-hmm. and trying to ignore him, because Fred starts playing a violin badly. Well, they also have a fight in the middle of the concert, in the middle of the aisle as well. Yeah. And Fred starts playing poorly and is throwing off the tonality of the music, which she's the only one who hears because Mm -hmm. he's imaginary. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't try to ignore it. Uh, Instead, she goes up and swings her purse at him. Mm -hmm. And then it turns out that she hits the actual violinist Mm -hmm. and has destroyed their hundred thousand dollar violin or whatever it is mm-hmm. i don't know if it's stradivarius or anything right probably yeah. not but still probably multi-thousand dollar i mean her mom violin. does say this is an expensive violin for you playing at the mall uh-huh. um which real nice um also the only person like realistically reacting to lizzie's erratic behavior i have found is the violin player because mm-hmm. the violin player is like, what is happening? Versus, like, anyone else who has had an interaction with Lizzie and Fred being like, oh, this is this is frustrating, or this is kind of weird. Like, the violin player is like, I don't know why you are doing this to me. Yep, everyone else just been like, yeah, that was weird when she was talking to herself and then threw a plate at the wall. Yeah. Um, so her mother takes her to... A psychiatrist, mm-hmm. which, yeah, good call. Yeah. If I was seeing what would happen, I would be like, okay, you are clearly having a mental health episode mm-hmm. and you need some professional help. Mm-hmm. But Lizzie Waits, it's a child psychologist yes. who specializes in imaginary friends because mm-hmm. it's apparently that common of a an issue. Mm-hmm. And he is talking to the mother while Lizzie is hanging out in the waiting room. Mm -hmm. Fred meets up with, or sees his other imaginary friends, Mm -hmm. and they have a little party, but Lizzie can only see Fred. She can't see everyone else's. Yep. Uh, 
and we yeah just and have the scene of this imaginary yeah. friends and all the kids stuff. can see their imaginary friend but not like the other imaginary friends um it's and interesting but they all have the same personality yep they're all chaotic yeah and yeah wear weird outfits and everything mm-hmm. and Lizzie's mom steps out of the meeting with the doctor and he says, just give her these. They only destroy the part of the brain that deals with imaginary friends. There are no side effects, which I call shenanigans. Yeah. Everything has side effects. Yep. Everything has side effects. And also this affects only the part of the brain that creates imaginary friends. Yeah. There's no. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And also... Apparently, he's prescribed this to her without ever having met her specifically. He's taking this woman's word that her child needs it. Yep. Her grown adult child. Yeah, this is not a good psychiatrist. Uh, and the... Yep. But with these pills, the imaginary friends are like, Hey, Fred, don't let her take them, because if you do, you'll die. Yep. So, I guess... He is imaginary because mm-hmm. the pills can kill him. Right, yeah. Um, so then we see Lizzie, she's got a new nurse, um, who's very like nurse ratchet kind of figure. Um and Fred is like talking to Lizzie and he's like, You're becoming you're already like forgetting me and being like, you know, normal, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then we get the, oh, what a lovely piece of broccoli. Um, And then we get a flashback to Lizzie with her father and her mother. Um, And she is at the dining room table and some Wheaties spill, like, as she's getting a haircut from her mom because... She woke up with half her hair cut off. Yes. Um... And her mom is kind of, like, yanking on her hair and stuff. Like She's not being very gentle with the haircut. She is not. Um, and the dad is, like, being a good dad, I guess. And he's like, no, it's, we're, she's fine. She's just a kid. Um, and then while they're, while her parents are both in the other room, Fred shows up and they make a mud pie with like all of the ingredients on the table and they put it into the nicest china dish which apparently you haven't locked despite this constant right. hellion that your child is yeah exactly um and so mom comes back in and she yells at uh lizzie and she's like is it bread is it and she uh finds Lizzie's Lizzie's clutching the the jack-in-the-box where Fred has hid because Fred is always like, oh, I'm going to stand up with, I'm going to stand up to her with you. And he never does. Mm -hmm. Um, And he hides in the -the jack-in-the-box and Lizzie's like clutching the -the jack-in-the-box and her mom takes it from her and tapes it. And as Lizzie's like crying, um, her dad's like, oh, no, give it back to her. She's just a kid. And then just gives up and is like, well, I tried. Bye. And like, obviously this mother is not a good mother and is cruel and borderline abusive. Mm -hmm. 
But also, this child probably should have something happen. Like, she probably should have a toy taken away yes. after destroying the dining room table like that. Like, uh-huh. you need to have a conversation with her explain, this is bad, you mm-hmm. can get this toy back after you've proven you can, you know. So yeah, I'm kind of on her side in taking away this <laughs> jack-in-the-box. And apparently it works because Drop Dead Fred doesn't show up again for 20 years. Yeah. So as far as the mother's concerned, she's like, yeah, I did a discipline one time and then my child stopped destroying my house. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, it's emotionally scarring for her because it's... like. It, she says that uh, I should have never cried because once she knew she could hurt me, she knew she always could. Mm-hmm. And that's not good or healthy. Right. But like... And she was like, and so I never showed her again or something. So it was like that one instance and she was like, I'm never going to show her any sort of uh, reaction ever again. But also, you probably shouldn't be encouraging your child if they are being that destructive. (laughs) So Fred is trapped in the box and is not seen for 20 years. Mm -hmm. And young Lizzie writes writes a letter to him saying, like, when you come back, we're going to run away together. Mm -hmm. And he found it when he was hiding in the shed. Mm Mm-hmm. Because that's where she left it for him. So now she's going to run away with him. Yes. To the party. Yep. That's Fred's idea is to go to this party. To Charlie's wine tasting party. They almost get away with it. They get downstairs. She's dressed ready to go. But then she walks by flowers and sneezes. Gladiolas. Because she's allergic to gladiolas. Or I don't know if she's allergic to just gladiolas or if flowers in general make her sneeze no because they were gladiolas in the beginning too yeah but i don't know if it's specifically gladiolas or if any flower i feel like it's implied that she's allergic to gladiolas which then is also like bad mom to have that be the one flower you keep growing obviously she's bad mom and again they were so close to the door and uh don't make it and now the nurse ratchet who also brags about being a black belt Yes. Uh, has locked them in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. And it's at this point that she's like, well, time to get out. And breaks her window yep. with the phone. Yep. And climbs down a tree. But uh, inside the tree is already Mickey, who came <laughs> back to deliver the dress that she left. Yep. And she then gets a ride with Mickey to... To this party. party, to her ex's party. Which also, it's a little weird that these two childhood friends are both reeling from a divorce at 25. Yeah. Like, it's not impossible that marriages, people get married that young and they fail. Like, in fact, often when you get married that young, it does fail. Mm-hmm. Just sometimes not within the first two years maybe it was like more in the 90s that that i don't know maybe but regardless it's two 25 year olds who are both now divorced and i guess mickey must have only gotten married because she was the mother of his kid or something because she's five Mm -hmm. so he got married when he was like 20 
Well, it says 21 years later, so they're 26. But yes, we get to the party. And there's weird toga guy. He's the only toga guy. Mm-hmm. He's the waiter, but... There's another one. Uh, there is a, another one? I only saw they one. They walk by him later on. Okay. But he's the only one who's roaming the room with glasses of wine. Yeah. And it's not like this is a costume party or anything. They no, just, it's a like, wine tasting. They have a guy dressed up in a toga. And it's black tie because literally everyone is wearing a tuxedo mm-hmm. or a black dress except Phoebe Cates mm-hmm. who is wearing purple. purple. Mm-hmm. And also, of course, Fred who's wearing green. Right, But he's yeah. imaginary, so it doesn't yeah. matter. Right. Mm-hmm. And again, this one toga guy. And Fred pulls a grape off of his shoulder. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the guy's toga falls down and he was nude underneath. <laughs> which... You don't have to be nude underneath. No. And if you do, you need to talk to your, like, manager because... That's... That's not cool. It's also you, a health code. Yeah, that's a like very that's bad That's a health idea. code violation. Who, who is the one who said... Okay, you're going to be walking around in a loose toga. Gotta be nude. Oh, and if somebody pulls a grape off of you, your toga's going to fall off. Yep, it's very loosely clasped. It could fall at any second. (laughs) Was the model the one that was like, I'm going to be nude because I'm confident? (laughs) Or is he always nude? Or maybe he's just so poor he can't afford underwear. Mm, I don't know about that. I mean, he's a model. He's a guy who works at fancy rich people parties in Minneapolis. Maybe it was gonna be like a sex party later (laughs) on, and he was just ready to go. But it's not even a wine drinking party. It's a wine tasting party. Yeah, that's true. And they waste a setup because they specifically point out how everyone is spitting the wine, and then Fred does nothing with it. Right. Yeah. And instead is just perving on this woman. Yeah. Yeah. He upskirts Annabella. And that's when he's like, no panties. And then Phoebe Cates like goes over and like leans down to yell at Fred. Mm -hmm. So her face is right by Annabelle's butt. Mm -hmm. And so when Annabelle turns around, she's like, oh, what's going on here? What's this material? This is so luxurious. And then Annabella is like talking to Phoebe Cates. And there's kind of like a, a vibe yeah. From Annabella, I feel like. Yeah, I thought it was going to be like a, she was like, oh, this woman's really attractive. Right, yeah. But then Charles shows up and he's like, oh, my woman and my old woman. But my new woman, my old mousy wife is now hotty. Yep, and Annabella's like, you said she was mousy. And he's um, like, oh, don't worry, baby. You're my Pinot Grigio 1642. Is that what he says? Something like that. He calls her a specific type of wine. Yeah. Um, I don't know wines. I am not a sommelier. I am not either. Um, is it sommelier or sommelier? It's sommelier. Oh, God. Why do you keep doing that? You're confusing me. You love me. I do love you, but you're confusing me. I'm sorry. I'll never say words wrong again. <laughs> uh, so then we get to... Uh, she goes back to her apartment. She goes back to her apartment. And then Charles shows up. And Lizzie is like all excited. Um, and Charles like takes her to bed. And while they're making out, he calls her Annabella. Yep. 
And then he is like, isn't it better that I call you or I say Annabella when I'm with you rather than saying your name when I'm with Annabella? No. No, no because that means emotionally you're in the wrong spot. Right. Exactly. And physically you're here, but that doesn't mean you want to be. Right. Yeah. And Lizzie agrees that that's a better uh, thing to say. Because again, she has no self-worth. She has no self-worth at all. She's like, yeah, it is better that you say someone else's name when you're with me. Which is not. It's not at all. Um, And then they hear this noise and she's like, oh, it's Fred. And he thinks that Fred is another guy that she was with. Yes. And he... When someone comes in, he then goes into the kitchen and grabs a cast iron skillet Mm. and attacks the person who comes in. Again, they didn't break in. They had a key. Yep. And he attacks it. And it turns out that he just attacked a woman, Mm -hmm. a medical professional who was coming to check on her patient. Yep. Uh, but it's all good. She's Everyone's... not a very good medical professional, though. Because no. she, like, threatened the patient and was like, I don't care if I take care of you, whether you're alive or dead or yeah, something like that. she was hired as a security guard yes. over a medical professional. Yes. Um, but yeah, he bonks her over the head and she's knocked out. Um, they explain the situation. He now has the uh, Fred killing pills. Yes. And apparently this doctor is very good because he gave a prescription where she needs to take exactly every pill in there. Yep. And then it kills that part of her brain. Yep. But at any point she can stop and her brain's fine. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it looks like Fred is getting, like, a little bit yeah, more he's hurt sick every with time. each pill. Yeah. But, like, there's one left and it's like, oh, this is the, the goodbye pill. And, yeah, he's, uh, Charles is kissing Phoebe Cates and, like... She says, not now, Fred, or something. He's like, I think we need to put Fred away. And then puts a pill in her mouth. Doesn't give her any water. And it's a big pill. Yeah. Like, it's horse pill. Yeah. And I guess she dry swallows it while also making out with him? Yeah. I don't know. know. And again, it doesn't make Fred disappear right away. So he's still there. Yeah. He's just hurt a little bit. Well, I thought she... And weaker. I thought she had the last pill... And then, That's later on. Oh, okay. Yeah, this gotcha. is the first pill that she takes. Okay, gotcha. Um, and then yeah. she's going on a run with Carrie Fisher. Mm-hmm. And Carrie Fisher's like, whoa, waiting for that runner's high. And there we go. And then talks about how it's good, actually, that her boat sank. Because she got a bunch of insurance money Because it was it. overinsured or something. Mm-hmm. Which now has removed any guilt from Fred's actions. Yep. Because otherwise we would have to reckon with the fact that he caused someone to become homeless. Yep. But she got rich off it, so it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It doesn't explain how she lost her job. Like, yep. that's still Fred's fault. Mm-hmm. But like... Yep. And... Uh, yeah, so, meanwhile, Lizzie is doting on Charles hand and foot. Mm, and Charles is getting annoyed. And she's, like, trying to shave him, and he's like, no, 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 let me. Yep. And then he, she's made them a romantic dinner of his favorite, Beef Wellington. But when she opens it up, it is a mud pie, which bubbles and spews out. Like someone is squeezing it. Yes. A giant shot of mud onto Mm -hmm. him. Yep. 
Which then makes me wonder, where's the beef wellington? <laughs> she like spent this time preparing a beef wellington yeah. and she put it in the oven and mm-hmm. everything. Did Fred then take it out and trash. put mud on it? Yeah. Is the beef wellington inside this mud pie? I I figured he dumped it out in the trash and then put the mud pie in there. Yeah, and again, everyone everyone takes this rather well. Like, Charles is upset that his pants are dirty, mm. but he doesn't seem concerned at all that she has fed him a mud pie. Right, yeah. And she also is not concerned that Fred has managed to still have enough power to do this. Yeah, and she's like, I'll make you a really romantic salad, a really romantic dinner salad. And he's like, oh, fine, and stomps off to the bedroom where he calls Annabella. Mm -hmm. And uh, Lizzie is threatening to take the last pill mm-hmm. and there's uh i think she sneezes on him or something and yeah. he bounces up as he has in the past mm-hmm. yeah because the pepper causes her to sneeze yeah yep mm-hmm. and when she sneezes he bounces around and he bounces and he lands on the top of the wall which is when we learn that this is a loft style apartment so there's no roof mm-hmm. separating this bedroom from the living yeah, room yeah yep and like he's he, having a phone call right, where he's talking like about how that. yeah he's bragging about how he's cheating on his wife with this woman yeah and how he's like I'm your fella Annabella that's another one that I remembered <laughs> and Fred has to be like come on open the door because I guess she needs to see him to be able to hear him right even Whatever. though again she'd be able to hear it yeah when you're in a space like that you can hear yeah mm-hmm and but she opens the door and she hears him like talking about how he's got control over Lizzie and how he but he really uh, is into with, Annabella into Annabella and she's like oh no I don't want to be alone and Fred's like run leave him yep and she's like well, I can't. And so he says, run away with me. Mm. And she like falls on top of him. Yeah. And then disappears. And clutching her stomach like she's like got a stomach pain, which I guess if you're like really distraught or whatever. But yeah, she falls on top of him and they just like vaporize. And end up in imagination land. Yep. Imagination. And they're inside his, uh, like, inside her dollhouse that she grew up playing with. Yeah. And this is one of the scenes that definitely would have been done on a sound studio. Yeah. hmm And they've got this Looney Tune logic where everything, like, the wall uh, stairs are actually a wall that's painted to look like stairs. Mm-hmm. So you have to climb a tree to get up. Mm-hmm. And when you pull the hood ornament out of a car it deflates deflates and flies around the room like a balloon i was reminded of beetlejuice yeah like the house in beetlejuice it's very i don't know if i was just conflating the two or if they both have this kind of thing going on but yeah that's what i thought of and she gets upstairs and yells at her mother that she's not afraid of her Mm -hmm. and finds her childhood self 
taped to the bed. Mm -hmm. And so she frees her inner child, I guess. Yeah. What's metaphorically happening? You don't have to be afraid anymore. Um, and, and yeah, now Drop Dead Fred, I guess, is her spirit guide who was here to teach her a lesson or something. I don't so know. So his rules have changed. Because, yeah, it's not that she's happy. It's that she has, like, told her mother that she... It's, she's, like, self-actualized. She's, yeah, she's independent. She's not necessarily, like, happy. Um, but... Then And Fred stops being crazy in this area, and he's, like, very calm and yeah, is telling her what to serious. do. Uh-huh. And she's like, all right, let's go. And he's like, I can't go with you. Yep, um, the rules, they say, I'm done yep, now. Yep, I'm done. And then he says, kiss me and say, say, my name. say drop dead Fred. Why kiss? Also, why does she kiss him on the mouth? She doesn't need to kiss him on the mouth. It's weird. I was glad that he was, like, so sex-repulsed the whole time because it, it's not appropriate for an imaginary friend of a child to be, like, interested in sex. And um, also, he's, in the watching this movie, a fully grown adult who knew her as a child. Right. And now is like, and now kiss me? And that's weird. Well, that's what I was saying. Yeah. That's what I meant, is that, well, now it's all, like, weird and, like borderline groomy because i mean not that he's like telling her to have sex with him or whatever but like she kisses him on the mouth and that's just weird it's completely out of place with the tonality of their relationship in the rest of this movie yeah and it feels like it was like the first thing that they filmed before they knew the character or something right because it doesn't make sense with the rest of the movie absolutely no sense but she kisses him on the mouth she could have kissed him on the cheek like, that's a thing that she could have done, or kissed him on the forehead, or, like, whatever, or just... Or hugged him! Hugged Why him. did she have to kiss him? If, well, it's, I mean, like, to if say it goodbye. was in the script to say, like, kiss me, and then blah, 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 like, there were other ways to go about yeah. it than kissing him on the mouth. But, but yeah, more... she could have embraced him, she could have held his hand, she could have just said, drop dead Fred, while she was, like, being emotional and everything. Like, Yeah, I, I think if she had hugged him and then said his name as she was crying or something, would have worked much better than a weird, quick kiss. kiss on the mouth. And then he disappears. Yeah. And I don't want to make it sound like they were, like, making out or anything. Like, it's not like... It, it was... It was basically a peck. Yeah, it was a peck on the mouth, but still. It was just... Just so weird and out of place really with the rest bizarre. of the movie. Really bizarre. Um, so, yeah, then... Uh, rubber straps. Rubber... <laughs> you can hold up to 500 pounds. 300 pounds. 300 pounds and reuse them. One strap. Yeah, you can reuse one strap, and you can cut them to the length you need. Yep. You just pull them around and four just times. tie it through, and it's good to go. Yeah, you have to wrap it around four times. And But yeah. it's made with TPE rubber, I think. Yeah, which is better for straps. <laughs> it's so much easier than the ratchet strap style. Yeah, yeah, way easier. And you're going like to keep everything... You just everything... wrap it around, and then you tuck it under itself, and then you're good to go. And you're not going to have to worry about your stuff moving from no. the back of your truck. Uh-uh, no. As you take your Chevy Silverado into the desert. Um, anyway, Lizzie wakes up, I guess. And then uh, Charles is like, is my romantic dinner salad ready? And she's like, yes, Charles. And then she dumps it on his head. Sick burn. <laughs> and then she 
pulls out a booger and rubs it on his face, which he's very unfazed by. Yeah. That's uh, gross. It's yes, really gross. Which we should say that's a thing that Fred did. Fred has done multiple times in this movie. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he also calls her snot face because yep. of it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um. And so Lizzie goes to her mom's place and she like tells her mom that she's not going to be controlled by her anymore. And she's she her mom literally says you're doing this to me and you did this to your father. He left because of you, which is like, oh, wow. She also says don't try to save a marriage by having a kid. Mm -hmm. So yeah, her mom did not want this child uh, no. and it shows throughout this child's whole life right um and the mom says don't you dare walk out on me i'll be lonely and then lizzie turns around and hugs her and then says get yourself a friend see i wasn't a hundred percent sure she said friend or if she said fred no she said friend that's what i figured that makes more sense but in the back of my head, i'm like Maybe she meant you should get, like, an imaginary friend like my Fred, which, don't name your guy Fred if you're going to say friend so much. They're too similar. Yeah. No. She's like, get yourself a friend. Um, So then we see um, Mickey and Lizzie are hanging out together, um, and Natalie um, is Mickey's daughter. And Mickey's saying... And I just want, no, you've got a lot of options now, and I just hope I'm one of them. Yeah, like, chill out, Mickey. Like, yeah, she literally just got divorced. You literally just signed the papers. Yeah. Like, you should be focusing on your daughter right now. Right, yeah. Not worried about dating. To be fair, Mickey and his wife were separated for for two two years. years. Um, So there is that with Mickey. But Mickey is also super forward and desperate-seeming. And, like, he's a good-looking guy. Like, you... I feel like he doesn't have to be, like, so clingy and needy. Like, just be cooler, and you'll be, like, more successful, I feel like. Yeah. And the kid comes out covered in chocolate. Mm-hmm. And the babysitter's like, Ah, I can't do this anymore. She's... You gotta see what she... Just wait till you see what she did in the kitchen. And Mickey's like, oh, what happened? And she says, no, it wasn't me. Fred did it. And apparently she has an imaginary friend named Drop Dead Fred. Mm-hmm. Which Mickey remembers that uh, his friend used to have an imaginary friend mm-hmm. called Drop Dead Fred. And now his daughter has an imaginary friend named Drop Dead Fred. Mm-hmm. Is Mickey, like, worried about that at all? That his friend, seem like his it. child has seemingly found this very strange name for her imaginary friend that he already knew one person who did? Mm-hmm. And Phoebe Cates, meanwhile, is like, Fred, he's here. And she's, like, happy because... Tell him I'm here or tell him I said hello. Send him my love. Mm-hmm. And uh, then the... The babysitter is, like, storming off, and Fred and the little girl pull on a rope, mm-hmm. which pulls a noose tight and, like, catch it, snags uh, the babysitter's foot and pulls her up mm-hmm. like a snare trap. And, like, there's a counterweight with a bunch of it's weights like a on a chair. or something, yeah. And, like, 
honestly, I'm more impressed by that child's trapping skills at that point, because, like, a five-year-old managed to rig all that up? That's far more impressive Well, no, Fred probably did it. Yeah, but, like, if you're the dad, you're not like, oh, my daughter's imaginary friend found this racist. You're like, my five-year-old daughter knows how to create a snare loop. She knows how to make a counterweight. Mm -hmm. And she successfully lured a babysitter to walk into this trap, Mm -hmm. which is terrifying, Mm -hmm. but also pretty impressive. But also the babysitter could have easily, like, fell out of that and broke her neck and died. Yeah. Like, again, I am incredibly surprised that apparently, allegedly, nobody died from Fred's antics. (laughs) And thus endeth... Drop Dead Fred. Mm Mm-hmm. With a few shout-outs. We watched the credits to see if we recognized any particular names. And there were a few agencies that we recognized, but... Yeah, mm-hmm. no, mm-hmm. N- not really anything in particular that we were like, oh, yeah. I know that person. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh-huh. Drop Dead Fred. That is. What did you think of it 20 years later? Um, so I enjoyed the second half more than I enjoyed the first half. The first half, I was like, oh my gosh, this is such a headache, this is so annoying, this is gross. Um... And then the second half, it kind of got more to the heart of things. And I was like, okay, I kind of see why I like this. <laughs> and I I did end up enjoying it. Um, I thought the physical effects were pretty good. Um, I thought the, like, acting, like, the performances were pretty good. Um, I mean, Drop Dead Fred is annoying um, and everything. But I think what they with what they were given the actors did a pretty good job um i think it would have been more um compelling and a better story if we would have seen her struggle with like whether drop dead fred was real or whether she was like you know losing her mind um or you know struggling with her sanity um but Yeah, I was ready to be, especially after the animation credits, I was ready to be like, this is just gonna be such a painful slog. And I actually ended up enjoying it, and I did not think I would. I did not really like it that much. Yeah. Like, there are a few funny lines, mostly from Carrie Fisher, Mm -hmm. Um, but... The Fred character is so inherently annoying that it becomes, like, yeah, as a kid, I can see finding it, like, funny that he is so anarchic and Mm -hmm. mischievous, but, like, I just found him Mm off-putting, which, when he is your main character, it makes it hard to do. Mm -hmm. And Phoebe Cates is so passive in so much of this and allows stuff to happen around her that it's disturb it or not but it's doesn't make a good lead as well Mm -hmm. so yeah i feel like if it had another pass and it did more of a is she is she actually being visited by her invisible friend or is she just suffering from 
a Joker-like worst day of your life Mm -hmm. and regressing to a childhood fantasy. Yeah. And if they played with that more, I think it would have been a better movie. Mm -hmm. And also, if the love interest wasn't so weirdly into her (laughs) insanity. Oh, Mickey. Like, a, a... Your love interest should not find it charming that you throw a plate in a restaurant. Yeah. They should be concerned. Yeah. And, like, Fred should have been doing that when she was on a date with the guy who was wrong for her. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and maybe if Fred was more of a this is what you need, not what you want, mm-hmm. like, throughout the whole movie thing, mm-hmm. where he was ruining her plans, but for her benefit in the long run. Right, yeah. As opposed to just sort of wanting to cause chaos Mm -hmm. and then at the end being like yep you got what you needed yeah i think that would have worked as well Mm -hmm. so yeah overall i say i give this four face booger wipes out of five invisible friends (laughs) yeah i i wouldn't say it's a good movie but i did enjoy it even though it was you know not a good movie. I will say it's only a little bit longer than an hour and a half, mm-hmm. so it's a pretty easy watch. It's available for free on Tubi, mm-hmm. so you even get those commercial breaks every once in a while to you can learn reset about yourself. TPE rubber uh, straps. Yeah. Yeah. They can hold up to 300 pounds. You can cut them any size you want. And, yeah, so I mean, if you got a Saturday afternoon or something with nothing better to watch, you know, throw it and on. You're See curious. what you like. Yeah. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to reach out to us, you can find us on social media. Allie, where are you? I am at Allie in MPLS, A-L-I-I-N-M-P-L-S, and that is both on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Rick Boston. I'm also on Instagram a little bit more lately, just because I've... The cats. I've been like, oh, this is an easier way to share cute pictures of cats with multiple people. <laughs> so if you want some cat content, you can find me on Instagram at Rick Boston. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're also both on Facebook if you want to reach out to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find me on Twitch at Northernmost Gamer. Yeah. I'm playing through the Sly Cooper games right now. Mm-hmm. That's fun. Uh, we also have an email address if you want to email us. Uh, you can email us at 30 below. You can email us. At 30belowpod at gmail.com. That's 30belowpod at gmail.com. No emails this week. No emails this week. We would be reading it right now and talking about how smart and beautiful you are for yeah. listening to us. Yeah, you could have your name read on our podcast right now, but you did not email. So maybe next time you will. Yeah, and we've got one more in our childhood favorite month that we've got planned. That's going to be a doozy. Uh, And then we've got some ideas for next month, but Mm -hmm. if you've got some better suggestions on a theme that you think fits with June. Mm -hmm. Or just any movie. just like a theme. Just reach out to us. Yeah. Um, And you can also be a guest on our show as well if you want if you have a movie that you think that you want to talk for an hour plus about with us mm-hmm. um yeah you can but, do that too yes thank you so much for listening i have been rick i've been Allie, and this has been 30 below